Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. You heard the man, ladies and gentlemen. Take your seats. It's time for Extreme Threads LAX Class, right back here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network where we grow the game one podcast at a time. Welcome once again, lacrosse fans. It's Jake Elliott at 7 Scheminauer with you. Week 8 in the National Lacrosse League in the books, and week 9 is on deck. We will look back at who we had. We will look ahead to who we got. And a couple of great guests coming up on the podcast this week as well. The head coach and general manager who's finally got a win under his belt, Mr. Paul Day, will join us here in about 15, 20 minutes' time. And then... He's in Toronto now, but he plays for Saskatchewan, and I believe he lives in Calgary. He's a man that travels across the country on a regular basis. None other than Jeff Shatler will join us here on the podcast as well. So a big show coming up. Uh, Evan, welcome back, and uh, what another fantastic week of National Lacrosse League action. And a crazy one at that. Uh, Another poor performance out of Saskatchewan, which you don't expect. Um, you know, a number of close battles, a bounce or a call, if you will, going Philly's way uh, for a change after you thought everything could have possibly just gone against them. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen week to week in this league anymore. It's true, and I would say not so much anymore. This is really par for the course for the National Lacrosse League. You just never know, and that's what makes this sport and this league the best is that you just don't know what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis. Uh, we'll get into it, but one of us knew a little bit better than the other as far as what was going to happen this week. Uh, why don't we just get into it now here? And uh, I mentioned in a tweet last night, we got a brand new sponsor on the podcast here, Evan. He is going to sponsor, the company that is, is going to sponsor who we had and who you got and we'd like to welcome Stampede Tack and Western Wear as our fourth and final sponsor here on the Lacrosse Classified Podcast. Stampede Tack and Western Wear is your complete source for boots, hats, belts, jeans, and anything country. They ship Canada-wide. Located in Cloverdale, right in my neck of the woods, Evan, since 1967. You can find them online at stampede.ca or shopping online is still shopping local. Uh, as they ship in Canada. So make sure you check out our friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Good friends of the podcast, finally on board here, Evan. And they're going to sponsor who we had and who you got. So let's get into who we had, as we'll start with Saskatchewan at Toronto. Man, oh, man. uh, Why don't you just take this one right out of the gates here, Evan? Oh, man. Uh, The Rush have really got to get this defensive issue sorted out. And, you know, what is it? Six goals in the opening quarter, five in the second. Evan Kirk just not seeing the ball the last couple of games. Defensive breakdowns. I mean, when, when you think about it, the only thing that went right in that opening half for the Saskatchewan defense was Mike Messenger dumping Tom Schreiber into the bench. Yeah, that had to be the hit of the week right there, for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, that was it. The... By the time they got into the third quarter, you're hoping the rush will start to make a comeback. They make those adjustments. They had adjustments, but the adjustments just literally stemmed the tide that was coming at them. A um, couple weird things coming out of this one. First off, that penalty kill unit for the rush, uh, definite, definite concern. And when you saw this game here, you know when Adam Jones is parked 15, 20 feet from the net, nobody's sliding to him. They're all stationary. You gotta get to that guy. You, they're they're just too static. They're too close in. The penalty kill is hurting them. Here's an interesting thing. You never think you'd hear this. The last two games, the combined number of power plays the Rush have had zero. Yeah, no, that that jumped off the page at me. Zero for zero on the man advantage for Saskatchewan, and that's really Evan. That's the recipe to beat the Rush. You know how deadly they are on the man advantage, and if you can keep them off it. 
you're going to increase your chances. Another big night for Hellier, Jones, and Schreiber, the three-headed monster there in Toronto. Nick Rose, solid again. That 5-2 second quarter for Toronto, kind of the difference in this game. And you mentioned the defensive struggles, Evan Kirk not seeing the ball, and, and I think you're bang on there, Evan. I, I don't know exactly what it – I mean, you take Cornwall and Soriketti and Dilks out of that lineup. That Those are three prominent defenders in this league, and it's going to take some time for the new guys to kind of mesh. But we're also six games into the year here for the rush, and – for whatever reason, it's just not clicking defensively here. And and I know Jeremy Talevi, a, a new member of that defensive bench on Saskatchewan's team. But, you know, Derek Keenan, his system is in place here. And, and they got to find a way to kind of turn that around. We don't want to spend too much time on Saskatchewan and Toronto. I know we're both uh, kind of connected to the rush here. But we got to move on, Evan, to uh, who we had here. Our next game coming up, New England at Georgia. And this one was a tight game most of the way. Riley O'Connor with six points. Bouquet and Poulin really dueling in goal here. The two goaltenders playing fantastic. Georgia comes out on top on their home floor. 10-8 the final. Lyle Thompson with seven points in this one. Yeah, when you score eight goals and you're playing Georgia, you're basically not going to give yourself any chance to win that game at all. Um Back and forth game, it was one somebody get up one or two, other teams coming back. It literally just came down to Georgia enforcing their will late in the third, early in the fourth with a three goal run, and that was all the difference there was. Uh, real nice defensive game to watch, but not really a whole lot you can take away from either side other than Georgia gets another W. They do, and they improve to, well, that put them to 6-2 and two, as they would have another game this weekend. We will get to it momentarily, but for me, like Lyle Thompson, just he seems to show up when he needs to show up, and that game was tight coming down the stretch, and it was like, let's get the ball in number four stick and let him get a goal and get the win here, and that's exactly what happened for the Swarm as we move on here and who we had next up. Rochester and Philadelphia. Here we go, Evan. Uh, Philadelphia, I picked them. You did not, uh, just so we're clear on that. And that was our only differentiating pick from last week's who you got. Uh, 15-14, the final in overtime. Philly on their home floor gets the win in front of over 10,000 fans there on the strength of 24 for 33 in the face-off dot for Trevor Baptiste, who just keeps clicking along. Jake Withers, a healthy scratch in this game for Rochester, which was a little disappointing. But really, where the story circulates around this game is the controversial goal in overtime, Evan, on a, well, quite frankly, what was a missed over and back call. Yeah, and you and I went and looked at this back and forth for about a half hour trying to decipher this because the NLL is not going to tell you what happens or you know where things went wrong. Basics here is that you got the trail official who's got a delayed penalty, so his concentration's on that delayed penalty. Ball gets shot, caroms off the boards, and now the trail official is looking to see if there's an over and back call. He's looking for help because he's not signaling yes or no either way. And as he's looking back, Kevin Crowley goes to reach to try and save the over and back. The official calls it good. Philly goes down, pops the winning goal on the delayed penalty. Now, when you look at the replay close enough, Crowley's foot is on the line. He can leap back over to the back end to get that ball over as long as he doesn't make contact with the back end. But, he made contact. We looked at it. There's no signal for a reset. There's no reset on the shot clock. Um, it's an unfortunate thing of an official being distracted, looking for a call, and then having to make a reaction call because of it. To be honest, though, Philly's had some bad bounces go its way, a bad shot selection that ended up in the stick of Tom Schreiber, a fourth-quarter collapse. I looked at this game and said, you know what? You know, they had that 6 nothing run, they're up 9-5, and then they blow it. And then they get a two-goal lead, they get two goals within 11 seconds with two minutes to go, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, they're going to screw this up somehow. And sure enough, two goals in the last minute, including a shot by Jamison, uh, 
Unbelievable uh, shot there by you know, James. <laughs> and you're thinking it's like, this is just not going to be their night. Luckily this time they got, they got I guess, the call going their way and they won. Um, as much as people are going to be upset, let's put it this way. Philly's going to go back on the power play if the call's made correctly. There's still 75% to win the game at that stage. Uh, you know, it happens. I've made that mistake myself as an official. I'm not going to be too hard on the referees on this one. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, like I took a couple of screenshots of the play and and that, um, you know, you look at the official and he's like looking back. And when you say the trail official, it's actually the official out near center. So it's a trail official when Philly's on offense. When the ball gets turned over and starts bounding towards center, the center, the official out at center is actually the closest official to the ball, except he's got his arm up and he's looking back down into the Philly offensive zone when the ball is actually over his shoulder right near the center line. So I'm pretty sure it was his responsibility to keep track of that. I know he was kind of watching the play, but it's an unfortunate uh, call there that went against Rochester. But like you said, it, it when we watched it in real time, it was extremely hard to tell. And you can give the referees the benefit of the doubt that it was a tough call to make. And, and to add on to that, Evan, it's it's not a reviewable play. So you can't review an over and back. So that might need to change as well. Bottom line is Philadelphia got the win. And man, oh man, did they need it. They get it over the Nighthawks to improve their record to 1-6 and six with an overtime victory. Moving on in who we had... Uh, seven and two Georgia, two and five Rochester. Now, Evan, after this one, sixteen twelve, the final for the Swarm. Only road team again to win this week, and Lyle Thompson with nine points, Randy Stotts with eleven, and how about the youngster in goal for Georgia, Evan Schemenauer, Kevin Orleman, with his first start in the National Lacrosse, he gets his first win, and I thought he was impressive. Well, and let's not forget Holden Cotone had 10 points, too. So, <laughs> one heck of a week all around. Uh, yeah, Kevin Orlin, really good game. Uh, Warren Hill actually did very well once he came in in relief. Uh, so, yeah. you know, a good performance by both backups. Um, you know, the the reality here, Georgia got an early 5-2 lead. They, they chased Angus Goodley from the game. And from that point on, every time Rochester got one or two back, Georgia had an answer every time, and they matched whatever Rochester threw at them every time. So it was never one of these games where Rochester was, uh, you know, a threat to win it. I would say, but Georgia just continued every, you know, they did enough to continue to keep that momentum going their way to to ride them to victory. Yeah, you're right, and that's what good teams do. They they answer back. They never let other teams get on runs. They're the team that gets on runs, and when another team scores, they stop their run quickly. And right now, you know, you look at Toronto six and one at the top of the standings. Georgia with seven wins just behind them. Uh, it's it's really kind of become like Georgia, Toronto, Buffalo at the top, and then Rochester, New England, Philadelphia at the bottom, and. Those uh, those teams near the bottom are going to be fighting because I think those three top teams have you know kind of cleared a path to the playoffs um, already in the East. The the West a little more muddy uh, as we move along, and we'll get to a team in the West here momentarily. But I just want to recap here on who we had so far, Evan. We both had Saskatchewan. We got that pick wrong. We both took Georgia over New England. We both uh, no, we didn't. We you took Rochester. I took Philadelphia. That was our only differentiating pick. We both had Georgia over Rochester as we move along. Three down and no, four down and no. What do I got here, Evan? I'm just blowing. Four down, two to go. Okay, no, I think we got we got two to go. All right, two to go. Two to go. (laughs) Yeah. We're doing it live. We're doing it live here on Lacrosse Classified, just so you know. Uh, Okay, Colorado at Buffalo, and an important night here in Buffalo, obviously, Evan. It was uh, Tucker out lymphoma night, uh, one of the biggest nights in the National Lacrosse League. Sean Williams in Buffalo, uh, where he used to play, and and really where they kind of spurred this night where it originated in Buffalo, uh, both teams doing up jerseys and a, a nice pregame ceremony with the Williams family there. Pretty emotional night, and um, unfortunately for, for Sean Williams and his Colorado Mammoth, they come out on the wrong side of things and drop to 1-5. and five. Buffalo improves to 6-2. and two. 
Uh, a fourth quarter, first or four nothing first quarter, really kind of the difference for Colorado. Uh, Banesh cracks into the top ten with nine hundred and sixty points now. Dane Smith with a big night, three and five. Buffalo, I would say in convincing fashion, it was only a three goal win, but that first quarter was really the catalyst for them. Fifteen twelve, the final in this one. Well, in a complete game of runs because Buffalo gets up four nothing. Colorado ties it up. Buffalo gets four of the next five. Colorado ties it up. Buffalo then finally goes on a final run where they get five out of the next six, and that basically decides the game. Colorado got a few late ones. Um, we had hoped that Colorado's going to get its offense in order, and they got their offense in order, but now the defense didn't have its greatest game, and the result's still there because Buff- Colorado outshot Buffalo 57-46 in this one. But an interesting thing in this game, they sat Jeremy Noble, who hasn't scored since the season opener. Yeah, and the young Killen gets another shot; he gets a hat trick. So, you know, you can't take that kid out of the lineup the way he's playing right now. It'd be interesting to see how they do it. Yeah, Keel um, Keel got in. Uh, Rue was in. I don't think you're taking Killen out of the lineup. I think you got to get Noble back in there and get him going. You got to let him play through his his struggles here a little bit. I don't. I don't know if Jeremy Noble's the type of guy that needs to be sat to get a message through to him. Like, you know what I'm saying there? Like, I I really think like a struggling jump shooter in basketball, you just got to tell the kid, like, keep shooting, keep shooting. It's going to come because you're going nowhere if you're the Colorado Mammoth without Jeremy Noble. No, absolutely. But, uh, you know, you take do you take a hot stick out of the lineup? Maybe not. No, Maybe. I'm not saying you take Killen out, but you look over there. You got Rue and you got you got Keo as well as far as options go. So you're not taking Killen out, but whatever you do, you got to get Noble back. No, for sure. You're you're not gonna make a playoff run without him. And you know, as much as they're still just with only one win this season, they're only one game out of a playoff spot. You have to keep that in mind. Uh, you know, you you got a long road to go here still. Yeah, it's true, and and that's kind of the crazy part in the West with just one team missing. You're not really out of it because Vancouver, as we move on, nice segue there, Evan. Uh, Vancouver goes into Calgary in season series on the line in this one. Vancouver was one and five coming in. Calgary was three and four coming in, and. This is a bit of a weird game, like a low-scoring affair. Tyler Burton goes 11 for 17 in the faceoff dot. Mitch Jones in on every Vancouver goal, which might sound like completely crazy, but they only scored five. Dixon gets a hat trick. Doby had five points. 8-5 the final. Roughnecks, good crowd there in Calgary once again. And an important game for the Roughnecks in that season series. And how pumped was Reese Dutch at the end of that game as he kind of drove in the final dagger. And you don't usually see Dutchie that emotional, but when it comes against your former club that just released you unceremoniously, that one felt a little extra good for number 18. Yeah, he's been playing a little extra hard in all the games against Vancouver this year and with good reason. Um, this game actually t- was a third, third lowest scoring game since they went to the big nets back in 2002. You know, keep that in mind. That's crazy. And and how the heck Christian Del Bianco is not the first star of this game, let alone not even in the three stars. What? Uh, yeah, he wasn't even in the three stars. Right? <laughs> Who was? He loves five goals. <laughs> it was Doby, Dixon, and Eric Penny. Now, Eric Penny had a fabulous game. Yeah, we're, not, we're not taking his away. Yeah, but... Yeah, no, you know, that's that's wild, and and just like I've had a couple of people asking me about Aaron Bold and and where was Bold? Bold was actually in Calgary, uh, but they started Penny, which you know I think Eric Penny has deserved to get the start, and he and he backed up his coach's decision there. He was he was good. He was not the issue, and when you only allow eight goals in the National Cross League, you should win the game. But Vancouver only able to muster five, and Del Bianco after. I'd have to say a bit of a rocky start, like Chess put two by him early. Uh, but the Phenom rebounds and then just slammed the door shut. Like, Vancouver almost went three full quarters without scoring a goal or something. So, tough sledding there in Vancouver, but they're still in the playoff spot as they are 2-6, and six, Calgary now 4-4. Four and four. And that wraps up Stampede, Tack, and Western Wares, who we had, Evan. So, with all that being said... 
please update the overall standings uh, and our week that was. You went five and one, and I went four and two this week. So you're just say that one more time for me, please. <laughs> Let's put it this way: I get to host who you got, so you, you're not going to be all off the hook on this one. Okay, just uh, overall standings. Overall standings, please. Uh, overall standings: you're 26 and 13. And I'm one game back, 25, 14. Okay, so that means I'm ahead of you. Is that, that we're just confirming that that I am in first place right now? You, you know, your plan to uh, be behind and host every episode is failing on you right well, th- now. Well, this is how it's going to work, Kevin. So just so you know, like when I'm in first, I am going to gloat like crazy. And then when I'm behind, I'm just going to like make excuses and, and come up with uh, reasons why I'm, I'm not leading the pack. But right now, I am on top. I am in first place. I am leading in who you got uh, by one. So you will get to to ask the questions i will have to pick first which quite frankly evan i have to say since i've been in the lead and you have been the guy asking who you got like it's backfired on you i think you do better when you pick first because now when i'm picking first my picks aren't influenced by who you're picking so i i think this is actually going to work out for me and and who knows i may just like pull away on a huge lead and never look back the way this is going so let's uh actually, let's... the first the first time i hosted I actually pulled a three-game swing on you, so mm. you I don't be a little re- careful. About I don't. That. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Hey, we got to get to break because coming up next, we have the head coach and the general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, who got a win under their belt over the Rochester Nighthawks on the weekend. We're going to talk to him all about it when we return here to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Shane Jackson of the Georgia Swarm. You're listening to Lacrosse Class 5 Lax All-Stars. We're only game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified Extreme Threads. Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer with you. And a big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, of course. Creating first impressions is what they do there. They are the best when it comes to labels and packaging Find them at associated-labels.com or their social media at associated LP, as in labels and packaging. Good people there at Associated Labels and Packaging. Sean Ashworth, one of the best. Uh, So make sure you check them out. Now join us here on the podcast is the head coach and the general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, who got themselves an overtime victory on the weekend. And man, what a game that was. Paul Welcome back to the podcast, and congratulations on getting number one under your belt. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Well, let's uh, let's start uh, with the big controversial call, if you will, Paul. I know a lot of people are talking about this. Evan and I have kind of said, in real time, that's a real hard call to pick up. And the way that this season has gone for you guys, you've had your fair share of bad bounces and bad calls one finally goes your way, and you send the hometown fans home happy with that overtime victory. Just give me your thoughts on it. I, I, like, I know you don't want to come out and say you didn't deserve the win because I think you did, but uh, a little luck was on your side, and you needed that. Yeah, you know, I I think we played pretty well for for sixty minutes. We battled hard and pretty entertaining game. I think all of our games have been real entertaining. We had actually nine rookies in the lineup that night. It was the most we had. We had Zach Reed out with a bit of an injury and Chet uh, with an injury as well. Um, so, you know, young group in there, resilient. Uh, everybody chipped in. We had to use both goalies. And it's funny, I rewatched that. And, uh, I mean, people will give the guy a hard time at center of the referee, but uh, it's the two guys at the net that don't, they don't make the, 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 um, the signal for back over. So he doesn't have to watch that if they, if they make the signal for back over, at least what I saw, then he would watch the line. But they didn't make that signal, so I don't know if they thought it hit Ian Lord in front of the net. Uh, yeah, we were anyways. trying to we were trying to determine Paul 
that whether that original shot that you know bounded back towards center either made contact with with a defender or the goaltender but we didn't see a reset on the shot clock so it couldn't have been the goalie but you're saying maybe it hit the defender and that's why there was no over and back call well that that and i don't know if it hit anybody but i just i know when i was watching uh real time and um on video, the two guys beside the crease never made the back over call. So um, I thought maybe it, they must have thought it hit Lordy. If you look, Lordy's standing right in front of that and blocking shots as he usually does. So, yes, he but, does. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought it was a great game. Um, we played much better. Our only game that I didn't think we played that well was in Rochester. The other games, you know, we've had 45 minutes or in Toronto, 58 minutes and uh, you know, we've, we've played well and we're obviously a young group that's learning, but, uh, I thought we, we played fairly well. We, we went up and then we went down by two and then we scored four in a row to, to get up by two. So it was a pretty resilient group and, uh, Kyle Matisse and Kevin Crowley are sure leading these guys and we're pretty happy with them. And you must have some good heart medication by now because <laughs> you're up, you go on the six, nothing run, you're up four. Same story as before. Rochester comes roaring back, gets a lead. You come back, you get those two goals with two minutes to go, and then Jammer just, you know, absolutely lasers one on you. At any point in time, do you think, oh, God, this is happening again to us? Uh, you know, I think we were fortunate that night that uh, we knew Baptiste would win most of the face-offs. So I, uh, the fourth quarter in overtime, I said to the guys, we're going to win the face-off, we're going to take the take a timeout and we're going to win. Uh, we're going to win it on the first shift. So we kind of try to direct their attention away from uh, what had happened in the past. And obviously six on five. I mean, you know, there's some great shooters there and uh, Jammer shoots the wrong side twister from, you know, the right side of the floor, or, you know, from the righty side. So he's going to score those. And Hey, you got to move forward. I think we're getting pretty good at moving forward and turning the page and, you know, similarly, the week before against Toronto, we just ran out of bodies at the back door, and I thought we, we had played them for probably 50 minutes of the 60 minutes. So we're on each week, and you know what? We're turning the page on this win and getting right back at it uh, next week against Colorado. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about that Colorado game, Paul, because it's it's a doozy. Like, uh, you guys are near the bottom of the standings, but, you know, clawing for a playoff spot, and... Colorado kind of in the same boat on the other side of the on the other side of the bridge, if you will. Like this game coming up against the Mammoth is a big one for both of you. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think every week is huge. You know, in this league, it's uh, every game's like playoffs. I think you know we've competed really, really hard and learned a lot. And uh, I know they're in the same boat. I thought they played pretty good in Buffalo, and uh, uh, you know could have won that game as much as anybody to get one of the best goaltenders in the world and. We only see them once, so I've always found that in this league, you know, you do what you do in your division, but really the, the team, if you're at the bottom of the, your division and you win games in the West, those can really, really help you. So, you know, we've got them, Saskatoon, Vancouver, and Calgary this year, so we gotta we got to make sure we, we make some hay in the West as well. You mentioned Trevor, Trevor Baptiste before, and it's it's interesting because you perhaps have more of a dedicated FOGO than um, than other teams do, um, but of course, it's, it's the strategy is working because he is he's winning about around seventy seventy five percent of the draws. So it's it's getting you back into those games where you're behind. Um, what do you got to do, I guess, to get Trevor to that next step so that he's you know he's a bigger contributor to the team uh, beyond the faceoff? Yeah, we moved that. We moved uh, Cal Matisse to the back door after Game One, mm-hmm. and, uh, but we had an extra body before we picked up Crowley. Um, so we would go with eleven D guys. But uh, since we made the trade for Crowley, we've gone with ten D guys, and Trevor's one of those. So he's he's playing a pretty regular shift uh, defensively. Um, I'd say he's probably playing seventy to eighty percent of them. Sometimes we shorten the bench a little bit, but. You know what? He's getting better. He's a guy that just keeps asking questions. He loves the indoor game. He loves playing box across. And uh, he's a physical guy. He can get to the net. He hasn't scored yet, but I think that's coming soon. And uh, yeah, he's since day one, even before the draft when I talked to him, he loves him playing box across. And uh, I think he's improved. And 
Um, geez, he's, he's getting as, as, as regular a ship probably as, as a lot of rookies in the league. And uh, like I said, you know, we've got seven to nine rookies in the lineup most nights. And on other teams, they'd be lucky to, to get on the practice roster. So this is, you know, this is a marathon. It's, it's definitely not a sprint. Speaking with the head coach and general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, Paul Day, and, and you mentioned that young squad, and I went on with uh, Inside the NLL today, and, and, and one of the things I said is, like, Philadelphia's kind of been right on the cusp, and I think, you know, the more minutes that, that Bucken gets, the more comfortable he looks, and I think it's just a matter of time before he kind of really settles in as your number one guy. And, and the other part of it is, like, finding – not only the right pieces, but where those pieces fit, Paul. And and I think more than anything, that last game, that was kind of the case. Everybody kind of looked comfortable in their role, including one guy up front on, on that left side. And you mentioned a physical guy that likes to go to the net, and you probably know where I'm going with this, and that's Matt Rambo, Philadelphia kid who's taken to the box game, and he really looks like he enjoys playing inside the boards. How impressed have you been with Rambo? Yeah, right from day one, we uh... – yeah, he's a beauty too. He fits in really well. I remember watching him in college, thinking, I mean, he, his game translate translates inside. He likes. He's a physical guy. Um, we actually had to get him away from trying to be more of a box guy and just being Matt Rambo. After a couple games, he was comfortable from the first, but he was really just focusing on picking and rolling. But we want him to use his speed and his uh, his shot to get to the net, and uh, he can get underneath. He can beat you outside. So. Last couple games, teams have been stopping him from getting underneath. So he's getting topside and shooting the ball well, and uh, he likes to have a lot of fun. He's he really enjoys the game. So we're you know we're really impressed with him. Blaze uh, Reardon's been spectacular for us, and uh, you know another guy that you know he's played a few games in this league before, but he's been real good too. So I mean these guys are going to be around our organization for a while, and and everybody's getting comfortable, um, you know, and getting better. And speaking of uh, Rambo and Baptiste, you have more American players than I think the rest of the league combined. Um, and you made a concerted effort to actually go out and draft a lot of American-based players. And of course, this is where the league's going to have to go in the future with expansion to, to fill rosters. But what is it it's going to take to get those Americans to the next step to to get them in rosters more regularly and get them, you know, to a point where they can compete with Canada and Iroquois say, at the Worlds. Yeah, our U.S. Uh, scouts, Brian Hobart, who was in Rochester, we were together for a long time. He's one of the coaches with the team, team USA Box. So we spent a lot of time talking about the younger guys that could probably step in, Adam Osika, Liam Burns, guys that are, you know, Trevor Baptiste, Blaze, uh, other guys that are part of the, the program, the U.S. program already. And, you know, Sika and Liam Burns both came up to, to Brampton, spent a summer playing box lacrosse, which, which kind of really helped us. Um, you know, they've played, I think, two games each, maybe three games. But uh, it's guys like that are going to, you know, they're going to take this league to the next level. And I think in the past, when I played in the league a long, long time ago, it was, you know, it was a U.S.-based league and some Canadians in it. And obviously it's kind of reversed. And I think the the way the ML, MI, the MLL and the PPL are all going, you know, starting later is going to give a lot of guys a lot of opportunity to, to play more in the NLL, which is, is really going to help the game overall. You take a step away from the wings for a second. Uh, your Peterborough Lakers <laughs> made an announcement this week that they're going to be stale, still in Peterborough this year, although at a much smaller facility. At the end of the day, probably... The, the best amongst bad options, and I guess the good news is there's still summer ball in Peterborough this year. Yeah, you know, we're um, fortunate that uh, we play in a pretty good venue, and uh, we're just going to be down the road. The floor is bigger, uh, which is great, because uh, we're a young, fast team, so I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to, to being able to to really use that, that big floor. Uh, it's about 10 feet longer than, than our regular floor. Um, it's unfortunate that people don't get to come. You know, it's, I think we have 2,500 seasons tickets, so I think they'll be able to shove 900 to 1,000 in there, which uh, will sell every night. But uh, we get one game March 30th, or sorry, May 30th, at home, our home opener, and the, the old rink put the banner up and get right back at it. But, um, I mean, it's a, it's definitely tough for the organization, but guys are committed to come back and, and try and get a trip out west and uh, try and uh, repeat 
uh, try and get a three-peat going if we can. What do you <laughs> I mean, you 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 mentioned the word three-peat, Paul, and it and like that's not something you just throw around as far as man caps go, but if there's anybody that's got a shot to do it, I you know, it, obviously it's you guys winning the last two, but I mean, you guys don't uh, rebuild there in Peterborough. It's it's a reload system. Uh, what are the, what's the chances? Do you think you got a good shot to to go for the three peat? Yeah, I think our youth, just our youth, um, we just have such a good base of youth guys: Katoni, Hogarth, Gilray, Withers, um, guys that just compete every night. And then we've got that mix of you know Turner Evans, Sean Evans, and uh, you know, Adam Jones, Matt Vince, Evan Kirk, they were just unbelievably low-maintenance team, and uh, they love to compete, and uh, they've gotten better every year, and I think uh, they really like to play together, too, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely a challenge to win a Man Cup, as anybody knows. It took me 27 years to win my first, so uh, got two in a row here, and if there's any chance we can get to another one, we're going to do everything we can, that's for sure. Getting by Oakville and uh, Brooklyn and and Six Nations is a task, and then actually getting out west. Once you get there, that's that's the real test too, because it's really tough to win one on the road. That's for sure. Well, lots to uh, take care of and, and get to you before uh, summer lacrosse on the horizon here, Paul. Uh, appreciate your time uh, once again here on Lacrosse Classified. Congratulations on the big overtime victory and uh, i hope your philly wings have more wins to come as we move along here in 2019 hey guys thanks for everything you do for the game we appreciate it thank you paul day for coming on the podcast and those kind words we will take a short break here on lacrosse classified and be back with number 77 of the saskatchewan rush jeff shatler joins us next here on the podcast you got it locked on extreme threads lacrosse classified here on the lax all-stars podcast network Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also informed choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Jordy from Barstool Sports. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Big thanks to Paul Day for joining us. Big thanks to our friends at Pure Vita Labs. Anything else would be on Sportsmanlike. You can find them online at pvl.com or social media at Pure Vita Labs. I see them everywhere. Uh, they sponsor the Vancouver Warriors. I saw them out at the Coquitlam Express game. Uh, tons of athletes under their stable, all using their supplements and products. I suggest you check them out as well. It's all natural and really good stuff. Check them out. PVL, good friends of ours here at the Lacrosse Classified Podcast. Uh, speaking of friends, we have another one joining us here on the podcast now, and that's none other than Jeff Shatler, who is currently about like 78 stories in the air. He's at the CN Tower with his wife and newborn baby. I guess not so much newborn anymore. Jeff Shatler, welcome back to the podcast here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. Um, happy to happy to be here. Happy to have you. Uh, what uh, what's going? How how's the weather in Toronto? Let's start there. I know you're way up in the air, but uh, still snowing and blowing there in TO. No, it actually uh, warmed up. Thank God. Uh, it's almost like a schnook that came in from Calgary. Um, it was minus what thirty. I was at the Niagara Falls. It was minus thirty. Uh, what three days ago? Now it's about plus eight. So I'm, I'm happy. But now, now I'm flying back to Toronto this afternoon. When I get to Toronto, it's supposed to be minus twenty-four. So wherever I go, it's cold. Basically, <laughs> what it comes down to. Well, believe me, it's going to be minus thirty all week in Saskatchewan. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> nice. I oh, can't wait for it. Yeah. Well. All right, Jeff. Uh, why don't we start in Toronto because that's where you are right now, and that's where you just played your last game, which. Happened to be your second straight loss, and I can't recall the last time I had to say that about the Saskatchewan Rush, but a tough uh, second quarter for you. No power play goals, no power play opportunities in that game. You lose 16-13 to Toronto. What uh, what can you put your finger on as far as struggles go over the last couple of games for you guys? Uh, 
Honestly, it's early in the season. You know, uh, that's the way I look at it. We're we're still gelling as a team. We got a couple new guys, but that's no excuse. We don't make excuses for our team. Um, but I really believe that our team is a lot better than we've been playing. And uh, you know, it, it it'll come. Honestly, it's a, it's the game of lacrosse. Any team can be beaten. East Coast teams are you're definitely strong. Um, we've had a lot of struggle. We struggled with them last year and this year now. So uh, you know, we have a, a tough time with the uh, the Eastern teams currently. But we have mostly all, all Western teams, and, and I know our next one against Calgary is huge. Uh, we don't want to be dropping to, to the bottom spot. Uh, we still want to stay on top of the Western. Speaking of Calgary, uh, you've been on both ends of this. You know, In your earlier years where the Roughnecks throttled the rush almost on a consistent basis, and now uh, since the move to Saskatchewan, the rush are 16-1 and against the Roughnecks, which you've also been on both ends of. How big is this rivalry? And I guess now that you've seen both ends of it, you know, just tell us about the passion behind uh, this uh, this battle that's going to take place. Uh, yeah, it was. It started with the Battle of Alberta, you know, with them Edmonton and us Calgary. We were so close. Um, you know, the rivalry started back then, and uh, I always had a hate on for uh, Edmonton's team when we went down there. And you know, things definitely switched up over the years, um, where we were, we had them, you know, almost every game, and then they turned around and did the exact same thing to us. So, um, you know, uh, any team, like I said before, any team could be beaten. So we really need to bring a full sixty-minute game, not only for the win, but for ourselves and prove it to ourselves that you know we are capable of doing repeating what we did last year. Um, we just got to have. You know, we just got to, uh, you know, push through this little tough time that we're, we're going through. And I really believe that our team will really kick it into high gear when, it, when it's necessary. Speaking with Jeff Shatler, and yeah, I mean, you look at the two losses over the last two weeks to Georgia and Toronto. Toronto 6-1, and one, Georgia 7-2. and two. So it's it's not like you're losing games to slouches or getting blown out or anything. As we speak with the 14-year vet, and, and you mentioned what you accomplished last year. And, and not only did you win the championship last year, Jeff, but you also were crowned MVP of that final series. Still getting it done at a high elite level here after 14 years in the league. I mean, how is the body feeling? How is the passion burning inside Jeff Shatler's body? You, you still feel like you, I mean, you're you're almost like Tom Brady, like you're at an older age, but still going strong. Um, how many more years do you think you can do this? Oh, I appreciate that, Jumbo. Keep saying old. Hey, hey, well, you know, I'm you know, I'm like way older than you, but you know what? You're old as far as a pro lacrosse player. Goes. That's yeah, fair no, no, it makes it makes sense. It makes sense. You're just uh, pulling your leg. Um, honestly, I'm gonna play until my body can't play anymore. Um, you know, I want my son to see me playing. You know, him growing up, seeing and remembering what I'm doing out here. And I like when my daughter comes out and watches. You know, I'm just doing it for my kids. And, I, and my wife, she's very, she's very understanding. She wants me to play. She knows how much lacrosse means to me. So I'm going to play for a couple more years, uh, maybe one or two more years, and then uh, you know I'll, I'll hang them up before I can't run with the, with the kids anymore. Um, you know. But right now the body feels great, and I feel like I can keep playing. So until I uh, see any signs otherwise, then uh, I won't even put that in the back of my mind. Well, in that hunger for you to win a championship last year, I mean, you achieved legendary status in Saskatchewan after that. Uh, after that victory celebration, your OV celebration, two beers, stogie in the mouth, yes. helmet on. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I remember now. I yeah. remember, yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely I thought beautiful. people forgot about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, uh, I, was, I, I was having a lot of fun after that one. Uh, you know what? I had the stogie and the two beers before I even went to the interview. It just pulled me aside and I went in. So I didn't want to let him go and I just <laughs> I carried on and my wife was my wife was giving me a little bit of slack in the background, but you know, it was uh, it was a great moment, and um, I didn't. No one was going to tell me otherwise. So um, at that time, and now I look back at it, it's pretty funny. Uh, but at that time, I you know, I I was just I just all I was worried, or all I wanted was to win that championship, and it was a great feeling, and you know, that no one was going to bring me down there. Yeah, Alexander Ovechkin's got uh, nothing nothing on you, man, as far as it comes to, to <laughs> celebrating. Uh, speaking of championships, um, I would assume come September uh, at the Langley Events Center with the Iroquois Nationals, Jeff Shatler, you got another run with the, the purple and gold and, and the Nationals in you for, uh, for a crack at a world championship coming up? Almost oh, definitely. I can't wait. Uh, I think it's their best squad yet. I think we're going to give Canada a lot of... Ha- uh, a hard time. Um, I know they, they 
they barely beat us last time, but they're a great team. Let's be honest. You know, it's, it's tough to beat Canada. Uh, they got some of the best players in the world. They got the best players in the world. And, you know, when we go up against them, I, I think we have the best squad uh, to date. So this will be my third indoor lacrosse championship. Um, you know, I think our squad is, is really strong. I think we have a, a really good offense, really good goalie, and really good defense, and we're going to run the ball a lot. So I think it's going to be a really big uh, – really big turn for us and this might be my set history here um and it would be awesome but uh like i said you know you got the states usa and there's a, a lot of other good teams that you know could slip up behind you but i think we're going to play really really well and i think it's going to be a great tournament you recently uh started a new job with sask lacrosse uh, going into classrooms introducing the game tell us about that and now that you're playing in Saskatoon, you're working out of Saskatchewan. Any chance there's a move to Saskatoon in the near future for you and the family? Honestly, that's what I've been talking to my wife about, and and I've been driving. Like I fly in tomorrow, uh, or I fly in tonight, and I have to drive out to Saskatchewan tomorrow. I have a, a school program I run through my through my lacrosse program, um, and then I, I also do the SLA. I work with the SLA, working with uh, kids. It's called Tri Lacrosse really good program that we're putting together out here um, just to put sticks in kids' hands. And honestly, it's just to teach them lacrosse 101, you know, how to pick up the ball, you know, cradling the stick, shooting, passing, proper techniques of holding the stick. It's just uh, the, basically the basics of kids that have never, uh, you know, had a stick in their hand. And it's and I think it's a great program because we did it in Calgary and, you know, it went from 300 to like a thousand kids over a couple of years. Um, and it's just bringing it to the kids front door. When you do it in a, in a, in a gymnasium setting, it's a part of their program and you know, they have to participate and there's a lot of kids that don't want to participate, but as soon as they figure out how to pick up a loose ball or something like that, you see the look on their faces like, man, I, I want to buy a stick. So it's, a, I think it's a really good program that we're starting up in Saskatchewan. And I think it's really going to build the game up in the province. I think it's going to be a great thing for it. And, and really at the end of the day, Jeff, like that, that's what's most rewarding out of it all is the look on their face when they, they get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is oh, so sure. that is so rewarding, and, and I know like my girlfriend and, and her two daughters did a camp with you up in in Merritt last summer when uh, the forest fires were were raging hard and it was packed in there with smoke. But it was it was more or less a, a camp, I believe, that was designated just for First Nations and Indigenous lacrosse players. Uh, is that something that's kind of near and dear to your heart to, and, and a passion that runs through you? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, this is how this all started when I started up my program. Um, I was going to the reserves around Alberta, and then I worked my way into Saskatchewan, and then I met a uh, really nice guy, Rob Johner. He uh, he started this whole thing. He's like, well, why don't we just start a program up, you know, and let's get through the reserves and start a winter program to start developing the province of Saskatchewan. And I thought it was a great idea because, you know, there, it's not being done. There are a couple small smaller programs or a couple programs, I should say, elite programs in Saskatchewan. But I just thought, I'm like, why don't we teach these kids the basics from a young age and imagine what, what the possibilities are in about 10 years after these kids have, you know, been taught the proper way to set a pick, you know, set up plays at a young age. You think about Orangeville and Peterborough and stuff like that, how, how well developed these kids are at, like, taking novice. You know, yeah, it's so crazy. I, that's where I sort of want it's nuts. Yeah. You go, you know, you play an Alberta or Saskatchewan team, you go to Ontario or BC, you know, that those programs are developed from a very young age and over years. And then, you know, and, and rightly so, they got some great coaches, you know, like the Sanderson's help out the Orangeville program, you know, the Peterborough program, always, always deadly. So these kids are learning at a really, really young age, certain things that they should be learning and, and, you know, um, I think it just comes down to coaching. So that's what my whole thing is, is, is going out to Sask and just really help out the program any way I can. Um, and that's that's the, that's the thing that I got going for me right now. My wife is totally down. We are already looking at maybe even getting a place in Saskatoon, um, you know, and I'd love to keep playing for the rush. And there's, uh, you know, I just I just love the, the province. A little bit cold, I'm not going to lie to you. But, you know, you get used to that, I guess, um, like anywhere else in the, in the world. When I went from Toronto to Calgary, I thought that was cold. So I'm just going to be going from well, Calgary to just, Saskatoon. Just make sure you get, like, a big basement suite for, for Jumbo to crash in from time to time, just in case. Uh, <laughs> I decide to spend a little time with you. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do for you, Paul. Okay. There's a, there's a spare bedroom at my place if you ever need it. Uh, I'd, ra- I'd rather stay with Shots. I'd rather stay with Shots. <laughs> <laughs> Last one for me. Um when you score a goal, it is something else to see you leaping into the boards and celebrating like it's your first goal you ever scored in the league. Where does this <laughs> youthful exuberance come from? 
I don't know. I, I get really excited though. Uh, <laughs> I see it after. I was like, man, it's just the moment spirit. Like it's, uh, it's just what's happening in that moment. I, I get really, really excited, you know, and I, and it, I, I hope it gets my team going too. Cause it gets me going. I, uh, I really like to uh, celebrate when I score a goal for sure. Um, uh, but I have, uh, I've always had a blast. Um, you know, it's, it's nice when you score a goal and, and when, especially in Saskatchewan, when you hear all those fans going off, man, it's nuts. So I think it's uh, I think it's such a great opportunity out there, and I I'm blessed to play in front of such a great crowd. Saskatchewan has some of the best fans in the league, and man, it's just uh, it's just an honor to play out there, really. Well, I think it's super awesome to kind of watch you run up the boards and uh, do the Rocky celebration while you're like glass. I appreciate level. that, yeah. Jumbo. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, <laughs> I used to play against a guy back in the day by the name of Tyson Lias, who I'm sure you'll know from from being a former oh, yeah. Shamra. That guy used to climb right up the glass and like straddle over top of it and just whip the crowd up into a fantasy. You don't go yeah, that. Just... You don't go that tilt, but uh, it's still it's still a sight to see, no doubt about it. Hey, Jeff. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Hey, uh, look forward to seeing you this weekend for the big battle against the Roughnecks. I'll let you get back to your family and uh, enjoy your family day in Toronto and uh, safe, right, Paul, safe travels. It. Yeah, thanks for doing this and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a few days. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. All, All right. right. Thanks Bye. for coming on. Jeff Shatler of the Saskatchewan Rush doing lots of good things within the province as well as far as teaching lacrosse to the youth here in our fabulous country. Uh, quick break to come and then you know what's next, Devin Schemenauer. It's another round of the sensation sweeping the nation. It's who you got on the other side here on Lacrosse Classified. Stick around. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified, brought to you by Extreme Threads. You just heard him right there. They are our title sponsor here of the podcast and they customize your team. Make sure you do the same with Extreme. Find them online at extremethreads.ca. If you don't know the deal by now, shame on you for not listening to a little more of Lacrosse Classified. But if uh, if you don't, here's the deal. Your team, you sign up for an apparel package, whatever that may be, whether you get the nice big warm jackets, the jerseys, the pennies, T-shirts, they got it all. Sign your team up for an apparel package. You mention my name when you do that. And your coach and your manager get a bunch of free stuff. So I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Just do it. And then you can thank me later. Find them at Extreme Threads, uh, their social media. Or once you do that, place your order at sales at extremethreads.com. And then just mention my name. Get free stuff. And uh, your life will be better for it. All right, Evan. Here we go. Uh, Once again, our brand new sponsor on board here for the podcast he is sponsoring who we had, and more importantly, sponsoring who you got. It's presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, your complete source for boots. Check out the huge selection of cowboy, blundstone, and CSA-approved boots. They ship Canada-wide, located in Cloverdale since 1967, online at stampede.ca, um, where shipping online is still... No, that's wrong. Where shopping online is still shopping local. i got to get that read down. That was my first day, Evan. Cut me some slack. All right, here we go. Well, we, okay, I'm just what? hopeful in the sponsorship deal that they you got a hat, some chaps, and oh, a pair of boots. That well, would be hilarious as hell. Well, I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm not. I'm not a huge. Mind you, country music <laughs> has been growing on me. I, I went to the the rodeo last year. Um, but these Blundstone boots that they sell at Stampede are totally wicked. So they have more than just kind of cowboy stuff in there. But uh, I don't think I'll ever own a pair of chaps or cowboy boots, but I'm definitely going to go <laughs> shopping there. And just so you know, like when we get a little later on the year here during the summer, with the, me being in BC and them being a local company, we're going to have a, a, a couple of new prizes uh, to give away from their store. So make sure you stay tuned to Lacrosse Classified all year long because things are going to change a little bit after the NLL season but for right now they are our sponsor for who you got and 
As it stands right now, Evan, I am in the lead, so you get to uh, host this segment this week once again. Five big games this weekend, one Friday, four Saturday. Take it away, Evan. Yeah, and there's there's three of them for certain that are not easy, so it would be interesting to see how you pull this off. So the Friday nighter, Vancouver heading down to San Diego. First team, place team, team that's slowly trying to pull itself out of the basement. Who ya got? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it makes me laugh every time you say who ya got, but it does. Um, yeah, no, you know what? All five games this weekend have some significance to them, and like we're approaching the halfway mark of the season here, and uh, all these games are really important here in Week 9 in the National Crossing. So, Friday, Vancouver and San Diego get to take the spotlight here. The only game on the night, uh, Warriors at Seals. Warriors at Seals. Give me the Seals. Yeah, I mean, the Seals are first place in the West for a reason, and they have they took Vancouver down on the road after having to play the night before. I don't see that changing. As much as Brody Merrill won't be in the lineup, I still think San Diego will be fine. Give me the Seals, too. 2-0 and on their home floor as well. Just putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Then, the battle of the basement. Colorado in Philly. Who you got? Man, this this is a tricky one here, Evan. Uh, Philadelphia, you wonder, kind of, okay, they got their win. Is that going to, is a little satisfaction going to seep into that lineup? Or are they going to be hungry for more? Colorado is really strong. I don't know what is missing in Colorado, but something Similar to Rochester, something is amiss there, and I'm not exactly sure what it is quite yet. But with all that being said, I, man, I'm going to go Philadelphia again because I just think being on their home floor, Colorado having to go across the country, coming off that overtime victory, they might want to just prove to everybody that that was no fluke and beat the mammoth. I'm going to take the wings, Evan. I'm going to take the Mammoth. Um, Philly, Colorado's got its offense performing better. I think against Philadelphia, where you got a bit of an easier defense to deal with, I think they're going to finally get it going. And Colorado's got the defense to to limit Philadelphia if they can do it. So I just got a little more faith in Colorado to pull this off. So here we go. First, uh, first head-to-head for the night, I'm taking the Mammoth. You've got the wings. Now we go down to the, the Mohegan Sun, Rochester, playing the Black Wolves. Who you got? Ooh, another tricky game here, Evan. This this might be a bit of an illusion. Like I, I think Rochester is way better than what their record is. I think New England is kind of right around where they should be. 0-2 weekend for the Nighthawks last weekend. Another road game here for Rochester. They've been way better on their home floor than they have on the road. But I'm really tempted to take the Nighthawks here because I think they're going to win this game. But do I actually do it? I want to ask you who you got first, Evan, but, uh, man, I got to pick. Man, I got to pick. None of that nonsense. I got to pick. Uh... Oh, can we come back to this one? No, we can't. I'm going to take Rochester. I'm taking Rochester, Evan. I'm taking Rochester, and I'm and I'm taking the Black Wolves. I I think that uh, it's a it's a home floor advantage. The arena's a little different. Um, you know, Austin Shanks has had a fabulous two weeks, but the rest of this team's really got to start to pick it up. Um, I I just don't like where Rochester is right now. You know, they had the one big game against the Bandits, and then a bit of a collapse. Uh, I, I just like New England's chances a little better in this one. So, once again, we're at odds on this one, but it's a coin flip for both of us. Like, it's that close of a game. Uh, Buffalo heading down to Duluth to play the Swarm. Who you got? Yeah, I, I'm just going to go back to this Rochester game. I think Warren Hill is going to get the start there for the Nighthawks after his performance from a week ago. Cody Jameson is is pulling that team along as well, and, and I think there's going to be a couple of transition goals for the Nighthawks in that game as well, so uh, that's, that's my reasoning behind taking the Nighthawks. Okay, just to recap here quickly, we both have the Seals over Vancouver. 
You have Colorado. I have Philadelphia. You have New England. I have Rochester. Make sure you're writing this down, Evan, here on Stampede Tack, who you got. Buffalo at Georgia. This has to be the marquee matchup of the weekend, Evan Schemenauer. Buffalo at Georgia. Six and two bandits, seven and two swarm. Give me the bandits. Yeah, it's a very tough one, too, for me. And what it comes down to in the end is, A, I'll take the home team over the visiting team any day, and B, when you got Lyle Thompson doing what Lyle Thompson's doing in a close game, he's going to take over. So I'm going to take the Swarm. Once again, you could convince me it's the band. It's fairly easy. And oh, so now, now that's three different picks here already, Evan, with one more game to go. Yes. And now we got the Battle of the Prairies. And like I said before, since moving from Edmonton to Saskatchewan, the Rush are 16-1 and against Calgary, but most of those 16 have been one-goal games. Roughnecks, Rush, who you got? Well, I'm sure you saw the tweets last week, just as I did, Evan, from the Saskatchewan Rush Twitter account saying the Lax Glass crew better be picking the Rush every week. I know where my bread is buttered, Evan Schemenauer. Thank you very much. And I will take the rush. I know Calgary is probably due, but I'm not about to walk into Sas Vegas picking the Roughnecks and uh, walk into 14,000 people looking at me going, are you stupid? So I'm going to take Saskatchewan, and I think this game is going to be a very, very close game, but I I am going to take the rush to win it and uh, get back on the winning track here. They're 2-0 on their home floor. I think this is just what this team needs, a home game against a divisional rival uh, coming off a couple of losses here. So give me the rush. Yeah, I think if uh, Rush Hulk was a little bit bigger and you pick Calgary, he might have his way with you. But um, uh, the, the rush, all three losses have been on the road in the east. And here's the thing going the rest of the season. They don't have a road game left in the East. They got a couple home games against Eastern teams. Ten of their last twelve are against their own division, where they were ten and zero last year against that division. Give me the rush. I think this one just continues down the road of the rush having the the rough next number, and uh, yeah, so we could have it that you got a four-game lead or I've got a two-game lead. That's just how crazy this week could end up for us. Yeah, we don't usually dif- differentiate our picks this much. We got two the same um, and three different. Uh, just just a recap here, Evan. I'm in the lead. Overall records one more time going into this week. You're 26 and 13. I'm 25 and 14. Okay. Not bad, not bad. Again, this is my very first year in putting my predictions out for the public to consume. 26 and 13, better than you by one, heading into week nine in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, Big thanks to Stampede Tack and Western Wear for sponsoring who we had and who you got coming on board. So happy to have you. And, of course, to our title sponsor, Extreme Threads, Associated Labels and Packaging, and our good friends at Pure Vital Labs as well. A big thanks to uh, Jeff Shatler and Paul Dave for coming on the podcast. A couple things to clean up here before we get you on your way here this week. Uh, there was a trade in the WLA over the last couple of days. And uh, this one kind of took a lot of people, shocked a lot of people. I don't know so much about the trade, but what was given up for the trade. And no disrespect uh, to my man Salty, Justin Salt, but... The newest Mr. Sambellis go out and acquire Justin Salt from the Burnaby Lakers. And the head or the general manager of the Vancouver Warriors is also the general manager of the Van, or the new Westminster Sambellis, Dan Richardson. He gives up and I had to like do a double take on it. And again, no disrespect to Justin Salt, but two first rounders and a second rounder going back to the Lakers for Justin Salt. Yeah, and they had to throw two conditional picks the other way in the event that Salt doesn't even play. So it's like, you better have had this guy locked in if you're going to give up two firsts and a second. But that's what you give up for Logan Schuss. Uh Justin Salt, a first, first and a third. You know, like you're, it was just way too much to go the wrong direction here to get one player. 
I agree. I agree. But uh, I guess on the flip side of that, the more guys that Dan Richardson can get playing together all year round will probably help the chemistry a little bit as far as the Warriors go. I don't know if that was in the back of his mind or not and whether we may see more trades come. Maybe we see the Porter brothers or Matt Beers or who knows. Uh, Eric Penny rejoin the the Sandbellies. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, speaking of that, there could be more trades on the horizon as the WLA draft comes up on Thursday. I will be hosting that. Make sure you stay tuned to my media channels to find out where and when you can watch that. But it's Thursday night. I believe it's around 6.30. And that'll be webcast for free for lacrosse fans. And I know it's a big night for a lot of a lot of boys down south who are attending college and uh, are looking to hear their name called and find out whether they're gonna where they're gonna play their summer lacrosse. So I always look forward to the draft. This will be about number fifteen or sixteen or something uh, that I've done, and I'll look forward to that. Coming up this weekend in Saskatchewan is Lacrosse Day in Saskatchewan. Evan, you've been a part of this before. I've never had a chance to experience what happens on Lacrosse Day in Saskatchewan. Uh, they take the they take a group of youngsters out onto the turf. They have a camp going on during the afternoon. Take them around to the rush uh, dressing room afterwards. Kids get to go out and wave the flag uh, before the game, and they even get to go out on the turf and play at halftime. And I'll tell you, Vasily, who hasn't played a competitive game since the end of June, is just ecstatic. <laughs> he's like, I'm missing my soccer tournament to go for this. He's loving it. The little bugger, he's sitting there. He's like. I scored six last year in that game. I need to find out how to get seven this year. <laughs> you just got to love the Watch the Jeff Schaller play. Watch yeah. Jeff Schaller play. That's how you do that. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. But for now, we'll get you on your way as we look ahead to week nine in the National Cross League. Thanks again to our sponsors for, well, sponsoring our show. And thanks to our guests for coming on the show. And thanks to you for listening to the show we hope you enjoyed it for another week here on extreme threads lacrosse classified for evan sheminar i've been jake elliott and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator we'll talk to you next time on the lacrosse all-stars podcast network